Welcome. This podcast is an exploration into being human and what's possible when there's less attention on the noise in our heads. Warning. While listening to this broadcast, you may experience moments of deep peace, sighs of relief, personal insights, or long stretches of dead air. Do not be afraid. This is normal. Under the Noise with Wynne Morgan and Kate Roberts. Welcome to this week's Under the Noise with me, Wynne Morgan, and... Kate Roberts. Hi. Today, um, really thrilled to welcome our guest, Linda Pransky. And before um, I ask Linda to say hi, I might embarrass Linda with what I'm going to say next, and I don't care. Probably. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've known Linda now for over nine years. And in that time, and over various guises, whether it was being in a large room when Linda was talking in a, in a training room and in a conference and then in other large events to then peeling shrimp in her kitchen one summer's day back in 2015 to now a place where I feel as home with Linda as anyone I ever have in her company. Um, and the love and the warmth that I've experienced with Linda in her teaching of me and her gentle yet very direct way of helping me see what I wasn't seeing about me and about life and about human beings has been an extraordinary gift that I could never say enough about. Mm. So that's how I would introduce Linda. And you are like family to me, as I've said to you publicly and privately before. Mm -hmm. So Linda, for, for anyone who's never heard your name or heard your voice before, how would you introduce yourself? Oh, <laughs> how would I introduce myself? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, here, here's the thing. I wouldn't, um, and this goes to the unknown. This goes to the unknown. You wanted me to talk about the unknown. Cause you know, I, um, I don't, I mean, if I, somebody put a gun to my head, I could, but I don't want to pin myself down because I don't want to be thinking about myself a certain way, any particular way, because I, I don't want to get caught up in who I think I am or what I think I'm not. I don't, um, I don't want to know. I don't want to know because I don't want to get caught up in the thinking of, of myself. I don't want to identify myself in any particular way because I like the idea of being fluid and the possibility of being fluid, the possibility of change. And I think the more we adhere to our thinking, you know, more we identify with our thinking, you know, we identify with ourselves, and it, we become stuck. 
becomes can become stuck. So I, I like the idea of just not knowing. I like the idea of not knowing. And, he, and here's the thing with that. It's like when I teach, if I can get into the space of not knowing, I don't know what I'm going to say and what comes out is new. See, that's not, the unknown is what's, is the, what's, 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 what's new. It's, the unknown is possibility. It's possibility. And, and the thing is, when you start thinking possibility, and, and then what's possible actually comes to mind, it, it allows you to move in, in, in another direction. And, I, and what's interesting is I don't understand why people don't teach that. Like, I don't understand why parents, teachers don't teach that. Maybe some do, but I know I was never taught that. I mean, I learned that as an adult, I, I, got, I figured that out after I'd been around Sydney Banks long enough that when you're in the state of mind of the unknown or the state of mind of possibilities, you can get a vision for something and you can move towards that vision. Like, let me give you an example. Like when I work with people who are depressed, you know, depression is, you're just locked into this dark state and like in a box, in a closet, you know, it's just dark and down. And when I talk to people that are depressed, what I talk about is the possibility of a better feeling. It's possible. Is it possible to have a better feeling? And if you talk about possibility and you move a person with a depressed mind into the state of possibility and hope for a better future, a better feeling in that future or in that moment, they start to consider the fact of that and they can move. Now, they may be a little stodgy, it may take you a bit, but if you keep addressing that, if you keep talking about that, the possibility of a better feeling, the possibility of moving your mind in a different direction, at some point they do, because they can. So to me, you know, the, the, the unknown is just what you haven't seen yet, the unknown is just, in, this, in a way, it's what's, what's possible for people, for human beings, something, it's something new, a new, a new idea, a new solution, a new thought, a new creation, a new something, because psychologically you know in in the in the understanding of the fact that you are think a thinker the fact that you are a thinker in that understanding it's like thought comes from the principle the content of thought comes from the principle of thought and then the content comes from nothing into something 
So what do you think about that? Might be the most prof profound answer I've ever heard to. How would you introduce yourself? How would what? How would oh, you introduce yourself? And that's, and that's where we went to, I think. That's, Has nothing yeah. into something. How's that? Yeah. So that's an example of literally yeah. nothing into something. Nothing into something. So I don't want to be stuck with who I think I am. And I think that's important for people, particularly people who think badly of themselves and identify themselves with, you know, like, oh, I'm a self-doubter or I lack confidence or I, um, I'm stupid or I, you know, whatever they identify themselves negatively, no. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Just push that aside and look for a different possible way of thinking about yourself or it just or not thinking about yourself at all in any particular way. And I think the last thing that you've just said is to not think of yourself in any particular kind of way. I remember you and I having a conversation about that quite a while ago, a number of years ago. And it really perplexed me as to why that was a good idea in your mind, as opposed to the classical way would have been, okay, well, here's what I think of me. And it wasn't particularly, I wasn't my best PR advocate. Mm -hmm. That would be true, right? Mm -hmm. So I then thought, and classically, I know a lot of people would say this too. So I would switch that story into a positive story. Mm -hmm. You're saying something different again. You're saying to not even think about ourselves. Don't go either way. Yeah. yeah. Don't go either way. And in, in what way do you see that being even more impactful for somebody than switching one story to a more positive story? Well, it, I mean, it, clearly it would be better to have a positive story about yourself than a negative one for sure. Yeah. Um, but then you have to live up to it because it becomes an expectation. Because like, for example, if you think about yourself as an entertainer, a social entertainer, oh, I'm very social and I'm an entertainer. If you think of yourself that way, in a social situation, it comes to mind and you, oh, I have to be my entertaining self here. Um, but if, if you identify and think about yourself that way, it comes to mind and then you feel like you have to do it now, or you may feel you have to do it. But if you don't, if you're not identifying yourself with that, it doesn't come to mind and you don't feel like you have to do it because sometimes you just don't want to be your entertaining self, but you feel like you have to live up to it. Mm -hmm. Or if you feel like you're a generous, I'm a generous person. So you feel like you have to, and so you tell people you're a generous person. And, and then you feel like you have to live up to being a generous person. Rather than just being a generous person when it, when it makes sense or when it comes to mind, when you're not identifying with it. Because, you know, people are generous when it comes to mind, when it makes sense in the moment, people will be generous. But if you, if you identify it, you feel like you have to live up to it. 
And sometimes you feel like you're being more generous than you want. Because you have to live up to it. I had an example of um, a conversation with a client earlier today about that. And they sent their their manager, their boss, an, an email about checking a piece of their work. And the the manager wrote back in the email saying, I'm really glad you're so diligent. And that has been my client's identity for so long that she oh. worries herself all night about that. She's so diligent, she's worrying about the minutiae. So that's an example of yeah. when a something to live up to can go way over the top. No, that's a really good example she's probably killing herself trying to be diligent yeah it's a really good example so if you don't identify you're just open to being responsive to the moment to be re being responsive to your environment and to the people you're with if you're just open and not identifying you're just responsive that's where you end up in a responsive state. And that's what I learned from Sid. If you don't identify positive or negative, you're just responsive. And you do, you, it's like, you, you just use your common sense, what makes sense to you in the moment. So you're responsive in a common sense kind of way. And what I mean by a con common sense is that you move forward or move backward, depending on your feeling state. Like you move maybe towards a person that you see that's very positive and you want to interact, or you see a person that's really negative and you, you don't, you move back. So you use your, your common sense to engage in life. You know, like, you see somebody and it, and it makes sense to help them. You go help them. You know, Linda, in the, um, in the moments when I identify less with my ideas of who I am and just mm -hmm. kind of drop into that space, like what you're talking about, like that unknown space. I find that I'm I'm less likely to try to prove that it's true or defend those ideas to other people. Mm -hmm. And it just opens up like you said, something brand new. Or I don't have to do that. And there's just so much less. Less to do, less on my mind. Less proving. Yeah, yeah that's true. Because you don't have to prove it. <laughs> you have to prove yourself. And you don't yeah. have to defend it if, if it yeah, or, yeah. somehow threatens that idea of you. Yeah, I don't like the feeling of having to prove myself. And I don't like the feeling of having to defend myself. I don't like the feeling of that. See, I like guiding, and I think people, I'm assuming other people do too, 
you like, I like guiding myself with my feeling so that like, if I start proving myself, it's like, ew, I don't like that. And I stop. So I know if I'm proving, then I've identified with something. And I go, oh, interesting. I didn't know. I, 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 that's what I'm identifying with. Like you catch it and you realize, oh, I think I'm this. That's who I am. Mm -hmm. So what else about the unknown? <laughs> well, here's, I love the fact that I, if I don't know, I can know. And this is going to sound like a riddle, but if I don't know something, I can find the answer from the I don't know state of mind. Because I have confidence in the fact that I can get a new thought that will answer a question, a problem, a dilemma that I have. That it's possible, I have confidence that it's possible to get the answers you need from the state of I don't know. Not from the state of mind of analysis, of an analyzing what you already know, but from just not knowing. And being okay with not knowing until you know. So like, if I don't know, if I, I want an answer to something, I'll, I'll think about, I need an answer. Here's the question I have, I need an answer. And I just reflect on it. Like, I just put it out there. I need an answer to this. And at some point that will happen. I mean, it always happens. It doesn't always happen on my time frame. <laughs> One answer now. It, it, you know, sometimes it's a bit. It takes a bit. And then what's interesting is the answer is usually so simple and obvious. I can't imagine why I didn't think about it sooner. So simple and obvious. And I think... The answers that we're looking for are so simple and obvious that we miss them. So simple and obvious that we miss them. I remember when I um, bought the house next door to my house and the configuration, I didn't know what to do with the configuration. So the house sat and I'd go over and I'd walk through it and I'd think, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this place. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea what to do with this place. I don't know. And then I'd get, my head would fill with thoughts and then I'd leave and the house would sit. And I go, it's not good for a house to sit. It needs to be lived in, but I just don't know. It's such a mishmash. I just needs an answer. I go over and I walk through the house and I'd look. And, um, and I did that for quite a while. And then all of a sudden I went over and I went, oh my goodness, the answer was right in front of me. It needs a wall right there. If I put a wall right there, it's gonna answer all of my questions, solve all of my problems. And I'm thinking,
it was so obvious, so obvious, right in front of my eyes, all it needed is a wall and I couldn't see it. it. Took me forever to see it. And then once I put that wall in, it just, I, then I knew exactly what to do and everything fell into place. Um, I remember, you know, like at, after my parents died, I got depressed for a bit and I couldn't understand it because, you know, I was Linda Pransky and I knew about the principles and I should be able to, you know, find my way out of this depression and I couldn't, I couldn't. But the thing is, I knew there was an answer, I just didn't have it. I knew there was an answer and I just didn't have it. Because everything I used to get myself out of my own depression that I used with work, working with people that helped them didn't help me. <laughs> Those answers, they didn't help me. And so I knew I, knew I needed something new. I couldn't find it, couldn't find it. And then one day I found it, I found my answer. And, I, and as soon as I found my answer, it's just my depression started breaking up like crazy. And I just started popping out of it. But see, I knew there was an answer that I didn't have. And I had to wait for it. And I had to find it. So I, my point is I have a tremendous amount of confidence in the unknown, in, 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 in that that's the, the point at which people find something new, the point at which the state of mind where they find what they're looking for is in the unknown. I have just tremendous confidence in that state of mind to find what you're looking for psychologically or even, you know, <laughs> interior design-wise. Linda, how do you... How do you think you were able to hear the answer? What do you mean? The answer that was there all along, but you couldn't hear it. How were you able to hear the answer about you? Oh, it was just, um, I heard it. it. In other words, it was in a conversation with somebody that I heard it. In other words, you know, I had been, trying to get out of this depression that I was in. I was listening to Sid, I was talking to George, I was talking with other teachers, you know, you know, looking, doing, you know, looking and looking and, but see, I was looking in what I already knew and it wasn't working. And then I had a conversation. It was a conversation with Kathy Casey. She was a good, she's a teacher, a three principles teacher, a really, good friend of mine, and she was up visiting me. And she said, she looked at me, she says, you're depressed. I said, I know I am. <laughs> but I had a, but, but I had a really good, I had a really good attitude about the fact that I, in other words, I could, I could still function. It's just that I was depressed. And she said, you're depressed. I said, I know I'm depressed. And she said to me, you know, you know what your problem is? I said, what? She says, well, you think you're in a different boat than other people. You, th you don't think you should be depressed. And I got really angry, but she was walking out the door before I could get angry at her. Cause she had a dip, she was meeting, I think she was meeting Dickon for dinner or something. And, 
So as she was leaving, she was saying this to me and I was like, God, I got really angry and, but then she left. So I was left alone with my being angry at her. And I realized after she left, I realized, oh my goodness, the problem is I've been resisting my depression. That's why I can't get out of it. I've been, I didn't even know I was resisting it. I was resisting being depressed. That's why I couldn't, but see, that was true for me. That was my answer is I had did not know I'd been resisting the depression and the resistance was holding me in it. And as soon as I realized that it literally started lifting, literally started lifting. And I'd been in it for a long time. I'd been in it for two years. I've been looking for two years for an answer. And I was just in this, it had the same experience that my clients would tell, tell me, like, I felt like I lived behind glass. Like I couldn't reach out and people couldn't reach in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then once I saw that I'd been resisting, it's like the glass, metaphorically, the glass started to crack. I, in my mind, the grass, the glass is cracking. Mm -hmm. But that was my answer is I had did, but see, it was a true answer because it was true. I've been resisting, subtly resisting my depression. It's like, I can't have this experience. Mm. I can't have this experience. So I'm resisting an experience because in my mind, I can't be depressed. I know too much to be depressed. See, that's what Kathy was saying to me. You think you're in a different boat than other people. I know too much to be depressed. Arrogant. I was arrogant. I was arrogant. And I was resisting my experience. But see, that's true for everyone across the board. If you resist your experience in life, that ex you're going to hold that experience in place to the extent that you resist it. I mean, Sid says that. He says, Human beings have one problem, one problem. They will not accept their experience of life. If people would accept their experience, because see, if you accepted your experience, it just flows and goes. Because that's, you know, life is fluid. Life is fluid. Life is in movement. It's fluid. But if you resist it, you hold it, you use your willpower to resist it. See, it's a bad use of free will. <laughs> the bad use of free will to resist your experience in life. And then it doesn't allow it to flow. So whatever you resist stays. Now Sid, Sid says this in one of his books, I think, or one of his, I think it's in one of his books. If you resist your experience, human beings would stop resisting their experience. They'd be fine but they get freaked out by their experience and then they freeze. I do not want this experience. I hate this experience. Rather than just letting it go through them. So as soon as I saw my arrogance and my resistance, it's just my depression. It just started lifting like crazy. But see, I needed that new thought. I needed that new, th I did not know what was holding it in place. I just didn't know. And then I knew. 
after that conversation with Kathy. But see, in all those two years of being depressed, I knew there was an answer. I knew there was an answer. I just didn't have it. I didn't have it. And I think if people knew that there was always an answer that you'd find in the unknown, they'd feel better. They'd be hopeful. They'd be hopeful. Because see, I was always hopeful within my depression. I was always hopeful. That's why I never got too low. It, it was never horrible. Like some people you see there's levels of depression. You know, I was clinically depressed, but I was functional. And then there are people that are clinically depressed that are not functional. And then there are people that go in and out of depression. You know, so there's different forms and experiences of depression. But what helped me was I was ultimately hopeful about finding an answer to coming out of it. In that conversation with Kathy, see, you never know what's going to do it. You know, it could be something that you had in your dream at night that took you out of it, or it could be a thought that you had when you were driving that took you out of it, or you could be a conversation with someone. You never know how it's going to happen. I think also what's easy to overlook in that beautiful story, beautiful sharing, is how limited advice and yesterday's ideas are. Yeah. So one thing that you said as you were sharing that was, well, I tried what had helped my clients, but that wasn't mm -hmm. helping me. And that's the difference between mm -hmm. an insight from within that mm -hmm. comes from a place beyond just the intellect, beyond logic, mm -hmm. that transcends all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. And that cannot be advice. Or even if it is, the advice is the germ that then becomes the insight. It's the insight as opposed to the outer advice that, that changes anyone. Right. And the thing, here's the other thing that I, that, that it's interesting is that I could have gotten horribly discouraged because all my go-to, I talked to Sid, it was when Sid was still alive. He didn't help me. I talked to George. George didn't help me. So all my go-tos did not help. And I thought, I could have thought, oh my God, I'm screwed here. But I didn't, I didn't, I did not. Because I knew, I knew there was an answer. I just didn't have it yet. And it came from a very unexpected conversation. I, I just, I mean, I hope that I'd love it if people could realize the value of the, of the state of mind of not knowing. If people could have the experience of that, if it, just being in the not knowing and then know and see the relationship and, and have the kind of confidence that they could have and the hope for answers, because people get discouraged and they think there's no hope, there's no answers, there's stuff. No, it's always answers, always. 
there just may not be the answers that you, you think they're going to be, you know, of course, because they're new. Like, I was surprised that that was my answer. You know, arrogance, you're, that, I saw my own arrogance and that's what was in the way. But see, I'd never thought of myself as an arrogant person. <laughs> what I remember it's very easy to forget is what must come always before I know is I don't know. Mm -hmm. True, for, for true, people, not fake, not fake, not yeah. let, I'll think I don't know so then I can know. It, it has to be real. It has to be real. You have to really not know. Yeah. 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 And, and yet, as true as that is, for some reason, and I remember it, and I've talked to lots of people about this too, the discomfort that we often feel with that I don't know, yet it is absolutely inevitable that before knowing comes, I don't know. And <laughs> stop making sense that that would freak me out so much. The no, but the thing is you start to fall in love with that feeling though. Yes. You know, the more you have that happen where you don't know and then you get your answer, you start to fall into that. You start to fall in love with that feeling. The feeling that you hate of not knowing, you know, cause people, you, they know, like I used to hate that. I, when I realized that not knowing was the answer, I was like, oh no, please not that. Like, I didn't like that that was the answer. When I had that insight, I did not like that insight. And then I fell in love with it. But at first, I didn't like it. I don't like it. But now, if when I start to feel the feeling, the real, real feeling of not knowing, I don't, ooh, now I'm onto something. You know, I um, the first time actually that I... When I heard you speak, Linda, I remember, I rem it's funny that I even remember this because it was um, maybe a year and a half ago. And I can't remember where I picked up the recording, but I remember I was at the dentist's office waiting for um, my daughter to get braces, you know. Oh, okay. You weren't going to, yeah. Yeah. So I was just sitting in the front waiting for her and um, it was very early in the morning and I had my headphones in and I was listening to you talk. And I think I remember this because you were talking about when you really started to learn to listen. And I remember wondering if anybody was up front at the desk because I had tears rolling down my face listening to you talk about listening you really that was the first experience that I had and it just the way you talked about what you saw you were talking about your marriage and some conversation that you had had with Sid about your marriage wasn't yes yeah. yeah 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 I heard something and I just, I remember crying at the dentist's office because it really touched me what you'd heard in that, that conversation with Sid. You know, just like your conversation 
It's like, you know, the conversation that you had where you had that insight into your own depression. Yeah. You just don't know where, where wisdom's going to find us or through whom or how. It could be at a dentist's office and then you're just, mm-hmm. you just know. You've heard something that will forever change you. That's right. It's like there's a big mystery factor in it. Like, like my, my insight with that conversation with Kathy I mean, why them? Why with her? Why the form of it? It's like, it's just a mystery when it happens. You just don't know. Like you don't, insights come when they come and there's, you know, they come either sooner or later and and fast or slow, you know? I mean, right away or they take a while. It, it, it's just a mystery when they happen. It's a real mystery. It's a mystery to our intellect. Yeah. So I don't go into why at all. I don't go into why. Well, why didn't it happen sooner? Why did it happen the way it did? You're trying to figure out why is just a rat hole to go down. It's just, you know, if you... If you, a mystery means essentially by definition, you can't figure it out. By definition, you cannot figure out a mystery. It's a mystery. It's not meant to be figured out. So you can leave it as a mystery. You can just leave it and hold it as a mystery. I like the idea of holding things as a mystery because it keeps the intellect from engaging can you hear George? I was about to say I find it quite comforting <laughs> from this distance to be literally in your kitchen again. I know we had such wonderful times in my kitchen, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. The more to come. Uh-huh. Spring is here. You know, where the tulips are coming out. The tulip fields are starting. Yeah, an extraordinary sight in Lacona mm-hmm. and in the whole Skagit Valley to have. The tulips in the spring, mm-hmm. just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all of the, my hyacinths are out, all my hyacinths are out, and my daffodils are out, and some of my tulips are out in my yard, you know? Well, this has been lovely, Linda. Thank you so much. Well, you're so welcome. I'm happy. Anything. You know, anytime you want me to do anything for you, when, you know, just let me know. I will. Thank you. You've been listening to Under the Noise with Wynn Morgan, mm-hmm. Kate Roberts, and joined with us today by Linda Pransky. Thank you, Linda. You're welcome. Thanks, Wynn. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have a topic or question that you'd like us to chat about, email Wynn or Kate at win at winning.co.uk and kate at katerobertscoaching.com. Until then, enjoy what's possible under the noise.